All right. How's everybody doing today? We doing good? Are we? Okay, great. Well, good morning to everybody. Welcome to New Life Church, wherever it is that you might be worshiping with us, whether you're at our Kearney campus or you're at our North Platte campus. And now we can actually say that there is renovation and upgrades that have happened really in all of our venues. The last one being our West venue that's here at our Kearney campus. And I hope you guys uh, are enjoying some of the new upgrades. Uh, on at least on the lower level. And so God's doing great stuff. Thank you for being an incredible church. And we love God's church. We just want to keep making God's church, you know, be attractable to this generation uh, where we live. And uh, we want God to maximize New Life Church to seek and save the lost, make disciples, right? And increase God's kingdom. That's, that's our heart. So my name is Jeff Baker, and I have the unique privilege of serving as the lead pastor of the church. I want to thank you guys for taking time out of your weekend to join us today. We're in a teaching series that we had entitled Lost and Found. Today is week four of that teaching series. If you've missed week one, two, or three, you can go to mynewlifechurch.com where you can actually watch any of those other sermons. Plus, you can gain more sermon material uh, beyond that as well. So visit our website if if you'd like that and it can be a benefit to you. Um, look, we're the Sunday before Easter as well. Uh, I don't know what your plans are. I know that people travel. But man, if you're in town, please find somebody and invite them to church with you this Easter, okay? Make time for other people this Easter. Don't celebrate Easter alone. Let's just, let, would you just turn to the person next to you really quick and just say to them, don't celebrate Easter alone. Just, just do that. I don't do this very often, but that's important, all right? That's important. Don't celebrate Easter alone. And uh, I'm not talking just about your family members. I'm talking about our community that needs to hear the good news that Jesus loves them, that he gave his life for them. It's such an incredible day. It's, it's, like, it's like the crux uh, here of Christianity, the resurrection of Jesus. Without the resurrection of Jesus, Christianity totally loses all of its authority and all of its power. And so that's why during this teaching series, I've had you guys wearing your uh, the, wearing a green band. How many of you guys still have your green band? Anybody? Okay, we got a number of you. If you don't have one of these, then uh, listen, get on board with everything that everybody's doing, all right? Uh, and jump in, wear a green band. Like you might say like, why should I wear a green band? Um, well, here's the two reasons. One, every time you look at it, you should be asking yourself a question. And if you are a follower of Christ, this is a question that you desperately need to ask yourself. What is a soul worth to me? What's a soul worth to me? Like what, what value do I place on someone who is far from Christ And what will I give? What would I be willing to do? Would I go to the ends of the earth for for that? You know what? Would I sacrifice finances for that? Would I sacrifice time? I mean, what would it take? Sacrifice my reputation? What would it if you're a Christ follower and you're serious about following Jesus? I tell you what, I've been wearing one of these things all month long, if that gives you any idea. Because I want to be reminded every time I look at it. God, remind me. Holy Spirit, remind me. What's a soul worth to Jeff Baker? What am I willing to give? What comforts am I willing to sacrifice so that one more soul might be reached for Jesus Christ? It's a very, very healthy question to be asking yourself. Some of you are thinking right now, well, I'm, I'm too far along in my Christianity. I don't need questions like that. That should be the first indicator that you got spiritual cancer. That's a sickness. 
A sickness is when you don't think you ever need to be challenged anymore with capturing God's heart. That's spiritual sickness. Right? We need to wake up from that and realize it. And so we use things like this to like let the Holy Spirit really, you know, churn our hearts so that our heart is more like God's heart every single day. All right? And then the, the, what's the second reason why you wear it? Well, the second reason is because people will ask you like they've asked me, hey, what's the green band for? And you just get to simply tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a great opportunity. I would encourage you, please get one of these. They, uh, I think our uh, they're at our green tables. Maybe even our hosts in the back will have them at the end. Maybe you guys can like scramble in all the venues and have them at the end. So when people walk out the door, they can actually get a green band. Let's wear it this last week here uh, as we build up to Easter. All right. So what's a soul worth? Because we're serious about that here at our church. We really want our community to know the good news of Jesus so much so that I think it was like a year and a half or two years ago, we wrote a book. Uh, we call it Resilient. And we have, uh, we've been sending this book out our goal was a three-year period of time where we would try to saturate all of Kearney and all of North Platte so that every household would get a book that has six testimonies of what God's done in people's lives. It's like taking the power of the testimony and putting it in, in the form of a book, getting it mailed out. It shows up at a person's house. It's a free book for them. We've had so much uh, you know, interaction with our community this way. We've had incredible stories of what God's done in the lives of people as they've read real life stories of Jesus getting a hold of people's lives, transforming them and changing them. I, I'm just telling you guys, it's exciting. If you're, if you're currently like me, you're giving so that these books can be mailed out. I just want to say thank you so much for doing that. Did you guys realize that we've actually sent 9,113 books? That's 9,113 family units that we're saying, here's Jesus, right? Yeah. 9,113 family units. Here's Jesus, right? And now look, the resilient book, so in case you're a guest with us, no, the resilient book does not take the place of the Bible, Okay. Just so you know, the resilient book is to direct people to God's word, right? It's not, it's not a take place of God's word. It's to direct people. That's what the power of the testimony does. And so here's what we've done then at Easter. We've created an incredibly uh, powerful postcard that just simply has our book on one side of it and the face of Jesus in a silhouette, if you will, on the other side. And it says, you've heard our story. Now join us this Easter to hear his story. And we've mailed these out to the 9,113 homes. This is kind of what it looks like. Like if you could see the map of it, look at Carney. That's Carney. Like most of Carney is taken up. Here's North Platte, right? We got a long ways to go in North Platte. All right, but we're going to get there. But we're on a mission to make sure that everybody in our like zone of our communities has has a like a presentation of the good news of Jesus Christ in a way that they can wrap their heads and their hearts around. So, thank you guys for giving. I'm so proud of our congregation. This is really just an example of God's heart for those who are lost right now and for those who are seeking truth right now. Sending this book out is just an example of it, right? But Jesus, he gave us the same kind of picture of God's heart when he told us a parable in Luke chapter 14. So if you've got your, your phone and you're on, you know, version or you've got your Bible, I'm in Luke chapter 14. 
Jesus is communicating to us how passionate God is for heaven or his house to be full, just like we are. That's why we're trying to get the testimony out, right? So in Luke chapter 14, this is how, this is how this, the parable goes. Jesus is, is telling this, and he says that a man prepared a great feast, and he sent out many invitations, that when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet's ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, hey, look, I've just bought a field, and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another one said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen, and I, and I want to go try them out. Like, that was like the sports car of the day, by the way. All right? So he said, like, please excuse me. And another said, I, I now have a wife, so I can't come. Husbands, you understand that. <laughs> right? So the servant returned, and he told his master what they had said. And his master was furious. And he said, look, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, all right, well, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come in so that the house will be full. For none of those that I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. I think first, if you're going to grasp the parable, which a parable is a story pointing us to a much deeper truth, then you, you got to know who the characters are here. The Father is God the Father. That's the Father. God the Father. He has prepared heaven, but he's prepared way more than heaven. He's prepared a relationship that we get to share with him. And in that sense, it's referred to in, in Jesus' language, okay? Not my language, Jesus' language as a party, by the way. So if you want to know what a party is, a party is the grandest party you've ever attended, you've ever thought about, you've ever wished to be you know, invited to, you've been invited to. It's one that you can share with Jesus Christ today, and it's a party that's coming, that's going to climax in heaven in a way that you've never experienced in all of your life. God the Father is the one putting it on. Then he sends his servant. His servant in the parable is Jesus. He sent his son, Jesus, into the earth to make, to the earth, excuse me, to, to make sure that humanity knows, hey, the, the party that I'm throwing and the invitation that I've given you, it's, it's about ready. So come. That was Jesus' job. The first ones invited in the parable were the Jews. The Jews are, God, are God's chosen people. That's, you read that all throughout God's word, and that's who Jesus was ministering to at that time. They, they are the ones that were first invited. The next group, though, the poor, the crippled, the lame, they're the ones that were kind of the outcasts of the community. God said, go, go to the outcasts and let the outcasts know they're welcome to come. I, I want them. Fill this house with them. And then thirdly, he says, okay, it's still not full? Then go, to, go out to the outskirts. Go to the people groups that are totally different than the Jewish people. Go to what would have been, been referred to as the Gentile. And that's you and me today. And the invitation to the party, it extends throughout humanity because God wants his house to be full. God wants us to have a relationship with him where we know him and we're having a life transformed by him. God is wanting us to basically have like a backstage pass with him. Have you ever been to a concert before? Have you? If you put your hand up, have you been to a concert? Let me see. Okay, good, good. We got about 
That's awesome. That's really good. All right. Have you ever had a band that you followed, okay, that you really wish you could have had like a backstage pass? Like, man, if I could have got backstage with these guys, that would have been awesome. Some of you are thinking to yourself, like, I had a band I wanted to do that with. That would have been disastrous, right? Got it. Got it. I understand. But, you know, I've been, I've been in backstage pass situations before. You, you get to kind of know the, um, the musicians at a different, different level. You actually get to meet them. You know, you don't just get a stage name. Then you get like a real name, as an example. Or you get your picture taken with them. Or maybe you've got a t-shirt and you're just like, you know, a groupie. And you hand them the, the black mark and you're like, dude, just sign the shirt. Can you sign the shirt, please? Right? And you're like, sign my arm. I'll never wash it. Right? Or whatever it is. Right? You get to know the guys way, way different than the rest of the crowd that's just going to fill the arena that night to hear the concert. God's inviting all of humanity to a backstage pass situation with him so that you can know him at a much deeper way. It's really that simple, church. That's the invitation. So what is God's heart for the lost to be found? He doesn't want you just to show up to his event He wants you to come backstage with him. He wants you to get to know him. He wants you to to know who he really is. He wants you to know his ways. Why do we have a Bible? The Bible is the backstage pass with God. Why did Jesus say it's better that I go so the Holy Spirit can come, so the Holy Spirit can live inside the believer? It's the backstage pass with God. It's really that simple. And Jesus, he recommunicated how simple it is in John, John 17, when Jesus said these words, and this is the way to have eternal life. This is the way to follow the invitation to go to the party that God's throwing. This is the way. Let me show you the way. To know you, as he's speaking to his Father, to know you, God the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. That's what the invitation is all about, right? The invitation to the party is for eternal life and so that we can know God in a real personal way. And Jesus has been the inviter the entire time. But God invited all of us. And he invited even in this parable, he invited them to come. But then he gave us the choice. Are we truly going to follow him or not? And people, people throughout the centuries, just like in this parable, have all kinds of excuses. I mean, do you remember the excuses that these guys had of why they couldn't come to the house to be with the one who's throwing this elaborate party for them? Remember some of them? Like, I just bought a field. I got to go look at it. Seriously? Like, tell me sometime in your life when you bought a house that you didn't look at it first. Who buys a field and doesn't at least try to look at it first? Like maybe you've you've already seen it. And if you've got that amount of money that you just throw things around, right? That's, you're going to make some real foolish decisions. Like you need to be at the party, right? Uh, You need God. And then the other one, like I I just five oxen and I want to go try them out. Okay, hold on. Like I'm a, I'm a male and I'm human. I get two options. Go work in the field behind oxen or go to a party that's elaborately thrown by the richest dude you know. The party. Okay, come on. I don't sit out there and judge me. You're like, I would work, man. That's what I would do. No, you wouldn't. You go to the party. 
You go to the party. Like, put the oxen in a nice little container. Well, okay, like not a nice, but like a fence area, you know. <laughs> you don't butcher them just yet. You haven't even tried them yet, right? So don't go that far. You, you would go to the party. And then here's this other guy like, hey, look, I, I just got married. I don't know how long they've been married. Like if that was their wedding day, by all means, don't go to the party. But if it's like three days later and you have the opportunity, guys, to take your wife to the most elite party being thrown in the community, the black tie event of the year, and you get to take your wife on your side, your brand new wife, by the way, and she's going to look smoking hot and you're going to look amazingly handsome. You better pick the party. Just, that's marriage counseling 101 right there, people. Take her to the party. Like crazy excuses, right? And we still wrestle with excuses of why we can't give God our best today. We still wrestle with those same things. These excuses, man, they, they show us how easy it is for God's kingdom to so quickly become second to our earthly desires. It's crazy. We only surrender to God when the other options, they don't pan out. However, listen to me well. God has given us his best, but our world hasn't considered his invitation to be important or of a high value. That's why you and me are here. We're here today to capture the heart of God for the lost to be found. Because we live in an era and in a time frame where God's options are rarely considered unless all the wheels fall off the machine. And even then, we typically get angry as we point our finger to him. Our mission today is to make sure that the world knows how incredibly good God is. But God doesn't give up on it even though people reject him. Have you ever given your best to someone only to have it rejected? Has that ever happened to you? Because if it has, it's a, it's a wickedly horrible feeling to feel like you gave your best to someone only to have it rejected by them. I mean, I just want you to think with me. Like, let's just be hypothetical for a moment. Let's say that, you know, as a father and a mother, you wanted to give your 16-year-old son, okay? You want to give your 16-year-old son the best sports car ever. And if you're a 16-year-old boy, you can thank me after this sermon. You want to give your 16-year-old son the best sports car ever, the sports car you never had. You want him on day number one to be sporting some incredibly cool car. So you, you have all the resources. So you go down to the dealership. All right, let's just say you're going to make it a Corvette for a minute. You go down to the dealership if that's okay. If it's not, pick your own sports car. So you go down to the dealership. You sit down and you're like, I want to buy a sports car. What does, the guy, what does the guy say first? He's like, well, we've got them, sir. They're Corvettes. They're out here. I don't want any of them that have been out there. Like, those have had rain on them. Birds have pooped on them. Like, I don't want those. I want, I've got one in my mind that I want. And the guy goes, perfect. Like, we can build you anything. Right? And that, and that salesman is just seeing dollar signs. Cha-ching, cha-ching. And you sit down and you're like, I want it to be this color. And I want the interior to look like this. And I want these pieces in the dashboard. And I want the, I want the engine to go really, really fast. But I want an app that I can slow it down because he's 16, right? Right? I want to know where the car is going. I want to know everything about it. I want to know if the car weighs more than just my son in the car. You follow me on that? 
Like, I want to know if there's another person in that car, right? So I want all of this technology. And the guy's like, no problem. We can make it. Unless it's in our hypothetical world, say he prints it out on his computer, right? In one of those like new, com- new printers that can build you anything. And then out the back door, there it is. And so he goes and he gets the car and he takes it home because that was really good. Tonight, we're going to celebrate his birthday. We're going to give him the car. It's going to be awesome. What 16-year-old boy doesn't want the custom-made con- you know, convertible Corvette? That's what it was now, all right? This became convertible. I don't even know how that happened. But it is, all right? That just even made it better. And so what 16-year-old boy doesn't want that? What 48-year-old man doesn't want that? Are you with me on this? And here you are, and it's the party, you know, of the year, and you're so excited. I mean, you can barely wait until it's gift time. You're like, eat, quick, eat, just hurry up. I don't care. Like, you don't have to finish that plate. Just throw it away, all right? Cake, whoa, one bite, it's gone, right? Let's get to the gifts. Like, you're so giddy over this moment. And you take them outside, and you've got this custom sheet that you bought at Walmart over the, you know, $80,000 car. And you pull it off, and you're like, ta-da, happy birthday. And the 16-year-old does what some 16-year-olds might do. And they go, man, I really wanted a truck. And he walks back in the house. I don't know what you do at that moment. <sighs> but my emotions are stirring right now. <laughs> because I got a bad feeling of what I would do, Jeff Baker, to that moment. Like, I would be like, what? Are you crazy? That's it. You don't get anything. Nothing. Honey, you want to go for a ride? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, babe, this is our new car. Right? You can't return it. But I would be like so frustrated, man, and just like irate. Like, I can't believe this. I gave you my best, man, and you rejected it. That's how you would feel. That's how you would feel. That's not how God feels. Like, God doesn't give up. Like, I would give up at that moment. Like, man, forget it, dude. There's nothing else I can do. I'm just telling you, we could easily be selfish that way as humans. We could drift to this really bad place we don't want to be. But God doesn't give up on us just because we're rejecting him now. He keeps seeking and he keeps saving the lost. He doesn't give up because a generation turned their back on him. He doesn't give up on that. God just keeps going after and going after. And humanity keeps saying, I just want a truck. I just want a truck. And God keeps bringing his best. I want it my way. And God just goes, well, you can't have it your way, but I'm, gonna, I'm not giving up on you. I'm just going to keep giving you my best, giving you my best, giving you my best. And when the first group doesn't, doesn't show up, God goes after the others. And he goes, okay, well, man, for now, you don't want it? Okay, I'm going to go after the others. And I'm going to keep sharing the good news. This is the same heart God wants our church to have for the community. Like, what can we start so that more people can be found for Christ? What ministries can we start? What can we do better so that more people will know the love of Jesus Christ? Like, what is a soul worth to us? We shouldn't be people that give up because we tried one thing and it didn't work well. We should go, okay, let's go to the next thing, man, and let's just keep spreading the good news of Jesus because it's worth it. The good news of Jesus is worth it. 
Now, obviously, we need to pray. There's a lot of options, and we could spin our wheels and do all kinds of things. There's all kinds of interesting ways that we could try to seize the moment and present the good news. We've got to pray about that. We've got to be wise about it. I got it. But this parable, it encourages us to take the good news of Jesus beyond our church and even beyond our community. It's as if God's saying these words, these words to us. Will you be a kingdom builder? It's as if in this parable, that's what's screaming at us. Will you see yourself as a kingdom builder? And then what is the soul worth to you? So that you can be a part of building the kingdom. Because in this parable, verse 23 is giving us marching orders today. Here's our marching orders. His master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge them, force them, make them, compel anyone you find to come so that my house, the house, will be full. God wants his kingdom to be full. God has it perfectly designed for humanity to fill his kingdom. What is the purpose of the local church? To be a part of filling God's kingdom. So should we then want the church to be full? Yes. If the church is full, we find new ways of doing more ministry so that the kingdom of God is full. But I got, I got interesting news for you. I got urgent news for you. The invitation that God has given for his party, it's not going to last forever. There is an expiration date on it. In verse 24, it tells us in that parable that God will close the invitation one day one day soon in our future. You do realize that most things have an expiration date. I wish I would have known that as a little kid, right, when I was trying to sneak the hostess cupcake out of my grandparents' cookie jar, and I reached into the cookie jar and didn't turn the lights on in the kitchen, and then I opened up the little cellophane, and I took a really big bite of it because you got to try to consume the thing in two bites if you're going to keep it from your grandma and grandpa, only to find out it is moldy, nasty green on the inside. And that sound of puking that back out of my mouth gave away the whole thing. I was caught. Well, since that day, I've got this slight phobia. If a food, I still eat Hostess cupcakes, by the way. But if a food has an expiration date on it, and it's today, I throw it away. It goes in the trash. I know some of you, you're like, it's the milk. And the milk, this is, it's, a, it's a suggestion, Jeff. Like, you got a couple more days. <laughs> no. I smell, it already smells bad. Like, it doesn't, you like take the lid off, it's slight crust. No, I'm not going there. Not going there. Not going to do it. If it has an expiration date on it, it's going in the trash. Because that's the pain I experienced as a child. Everything has an expiration date. Just like God will one day be forced to close the door to his party and keep the timeline of his kingdom moving forward, the invitation to follow Jesus has an expiration date to it. So I ask you, church, I beg you to consider with me, what is a soul worth to you? We're running out of time for the lost to be found. We're running out of time. And according to the parable... If Jesus was the servant, and God's Spirit now lives in us, we have become the servant in 2018 that's supposed to carry the invitation so that the lost may be found. So I want you to ask yourself these questions today. 
Do I have the same intensity as God has for his house to be full? Do I possess that same intensity? Is that within me? And if it is, then what's the evidence of it? Do you possess it? What's the evidence? Let the evidence speak the facts. Don't don't just whisper this question away like, of course I've got the same intensity that God has for his house to be full. What's the evidence, church? Now that's not to put guilt on us. That's just to bring reality to it, right? Here's the second question. Do I have the same intensity as the servant to follow the master's command? Do I possess that same intensity that I would want to follow the master's command, right? And go into the highways, byways. I would go into the places nobody else wants to go. I would love the unlovable. Like I would give where where it hurts. Like, Do we have the same intensity as a servant to follow the master's command? Because today, in the last 60 seconds I have with you, today is the day of salvation. Seize the moment, church. If you're found, invite someone this week to worship with you on Easter. Don't worship alone this Easter. If you're found, invite somebody. It's the day of salvation. The invitation is out there. The door has yet to be closed. Here's the second thing. If you're lost, take the next few moments to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. If you're watching at home right now, you're in North Platte. I don't, I don't care where you are. If you're found, invite somebody to worship with you this Easter. And if you're lost, take these few moments and surrender your life to Jesus. Let him become your Lord and your leader. What is a soul worth to you? Those are my last words to you before Easter. What's a soul worth to you? Let's go share the good news of Jesus. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, we praise you for your goodness. We praise you, God, for your intense love for us. We praise you, Jesus. Lord, you you gave it all for us. We praise you for that, Lord. We thank you for the parable that you gave us that helps us understand what the heart of our Father God really is for us. How excited he is that his house would be full and that we would fill it as we celebrate with him, as we worship with him, as we seek him. God, we ask you to work miracles in this church. Work miracles in this church, God, and bring the lost from a lost state to a found state. Bring those that are hungry and that are seeking. Bring them into this place that the good news of Jesus Christ can be presented. I pray for this church. God, I pray that we would have a crazy love for you that just oozes out of us. And just, we want the world to know how amazing you are. I pray that the fruit of our lives will be the evidence of our intensity in our love for you. I pray that, Lord. I pray that, Lord, this, that this church and its individuals would be attractive for the cause of Jesus Christ in our opinions, in what we speak out of our mouth, in the way we live our life. And that this Easter would be an Easter where the good news of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Christ is not only celebrated by us, but it's celebrated by our community as well. We love you, Jesus. We take these next few minutes just to seek your heart and to know your ways. So Lord, do what you will. Do what you want. 
in this church. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.